right, it is April 14th, and you are back on a uh, on an off-hiatus Kentucky Politics Weekly. Your host, Trey Watson, joined as always by Addie Piper and Jared Smith. Uh, how was your all's break? It was great. Um, it was really great. Yeah. Moved to the West Coast, had a good time. Much needed. Much needed break. How's Paris? I assume they picked the trash up, I saw. Yeah, so we were actually <laughs> driving in with our cabbie uh, the first, when we, after we landed. And he's like, oh, you guys got a perfect time. So they just picked all the garbage up in this area yesterday. <laughs> so that they picked up, the rest of it we burned. But what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> the only time I... And we... So there was a pretty heavy police presence just like during the day on the Champs-Élysées. Okay. Um, a lot of a lot of guys in like flak jackets. And if you, actually, if you look at a couple of the alleys, it was like, like, a, like a police troop carrier type thing just parked there. And there was a bunch of them just standing around. I guess they were just, you know, prepared in case... Yeah. Anything happened. Uh, but the ones that we saw weren't even armed. They were just, they just had their, their body armor and stuff and were just kind of walking around. The only time that we ever really saw anything was we were taking a cab back. Some of our friends were staying kind of the, on the other side of, of kind of the in, inside of Paris from, from us. And, uh, we were taking a cab back from hanging out with them and we had to pull over for a huge motorcade. And, hmm. uh, the, uh, our, our cab driver said it was, it was Macron's motorcade. And he had a few choice words for the motorcade as it passed, but that was the only time that we ever we ever really saw anything. Now I will say, Louis when, the Sixteenth trying to escape the palace in his royal motorcade. How dare you ask the French people to work two extra years and before they retire? The French, the French don't like guns for the revolutions. They enjoy the blade. That's smart for an extra body armor for the cops. Well, I mean, I think Macron's plan now is to free to Ch- is to flee to China, right? Thanks, Macron. But I, I will see. You know, I don't know if you saw, like, a couple days after we got back, a bunch of protesters stormed the headquarters of BlackRock, the uh, the, the big investment. The, the richest company in the world? Yeah, they, wow. stormed, they stormed there. And that actually was about, so we were, like, a block and a half off of the Arc de Triomphe going northwest. I see their, the Arc. I see no Triumph. Yeah, Sorry. well, their, 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 uh, their headquarters was about a block and a half going, like, southeast a little bit so like they're pretty much that that building they, they stormed and like kind of burn up the inside was like basically equidistance from the from the arc that we were staying at just on the other side of the arc so you know that was that was pretty close to where we were but uh we never saw anything over there it, it was the weather was was perfect it was like mm. 60 degrees and sunny um it got a little bit chilly towards towards the weekend but it it was great cool anyway Enough, enough of the travel talk. Uh, let's talk state news. And I guess the biggest story uh, since, since we've been gone has been two different shootings, one in Tennessee, one in, uh, in Louisville. Uh, both of them kind of very different circumstances um, and, and kind of different thoughts on both of them. The one, let's start in Tennessee, because I know, Jared, you'll have a lot of thoughts on the Kentucky one because you're... You, you're friends with people that were yeah. I'm, I'm leaving this podcast and going to the funeral. Yeah, uh, Tennessee one. I, I think Addie, something that we've talked about in the podcast before, which is your rhetoric has meaning and your rhetoric has effect. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think sometimes politicians forget, and, I, and even I forget on Twitter. We forget in the podcast sometimes the things yeah. that we say taken by people who are less. I don't want to say balanced because I think you, you can even like not be not be an unbalanced person and still take rhetoric the wrong way and be fired to action. But, you know, it seems based on the things that have kind of come out on, on the perpetrator that this is this is a, somebody who, if not transgendered themselves, at least very passionate about the issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you get out and you're yelling about these people are trying to murder trans kids, you know, I, 
I, I don't know that that rhetoric played into it, but it that was my initial thought was that something like this was going to happen when the rhetoric gets fired up to you're pedophiles or you're murderers and there's not an in-between. Right, And, right. you know, I, I think we all, especially elected officials, need to do better and realize that the things that you say, people who may not take into account the totality of your words or the totality of the situation are going to take that inflammatory rhetoric to heart and believe, and believe it's real and, and it can end in tragic tragic circumstances. Yeah, research shows that uh, marginalized communities are more at risk for mental health, um, you know, struggles anyway. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's something to always consider. Obviously, I don't know if that had any play with the circumstances in, um, in Nashville. A tragedy nonetheless and, um, you know, just something to really I think rhetoric is important, but I, I would say beyond politicians' rhetoric, I think what we say on Facebook, what what people yeah. say, um, you know, there was a Facebook comment on the Louisville shooting that I saw overnight. Um, some just a citizen saying, "Well, that's it was the parents' fault, and that's a bad family," and it, it, they don't even know that family. Like it's just not helpful. And I think that as we look at the volatility we have in this current environment, we have to figure out how to remove the heat from those conversations, take the temperature down, so that we can be productive and and you know love each other the way. We need to. Well, if Dominion ends up bankrupting Fox News, there's one step. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, to your point, though, Abby, I think the, the, the detachment that social media allows us mm-hmm. is really dangerous. Like, you know, I had, I mean, it's not certainly to any, like, dangerous level, but I had somebody, a, a post that I, a comment I had made on uh, Whitney Westfield's post the morning of the, of the Louisville shooting that I said, because he says, we have a problem with gun violence and I, you know, I want to be involved in fixing it. I said, we got a violence problem. You know, forget guns. We, mm-hmm. have, we have a violence problem in this country. And and somebody commented back like, well, well and, and, and I think I, I said, you know, we need to do more to address that. And somebody commented and said, well, you and your ilk, every time that, some, that we try to do something, just call it woke and, and you know, and kill it. It's your all's fault. And I, and I, I literally just replied to the person. I said, hello, do I know you? Like... <laughs> You know, but it's stuff like that, like, you, yeah. know, you know, and I've been advocating for, like, for stuff on, on Twitter and, like, dude, you don't know me or anything that I, you, you see one comment and, like, well, you, I disagree with you on this one comment, therefore, I must disagree with you, all, all your comments, therefore, right. you are bad. Like, that's the thought process of so many people on social media and it's bad, it's dangerous, and it makes our politics worse and our country worse. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's talk about the Louisville shooting, um, you know, another just... And, and I think it sounds like that there might have been more kind of bread trails on the one in Nashville. Um, this one seems a, a lot more kind of out of, out of the blue. Uh, but again, just, you know, stunning, stunning turn of events. Um, Jared, you want to say a few words about, about your friend, Tommy Elliott? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I'm going to go to the funeral. It's just, it's really tough when, you know, a, uh, a victim of a mass shooting, somebody that you've known for a long time, uh, I've worked with Tommy for a long time, and, you know, it's, I just can't believe he's, you know, he's a victim of a mass shooting in, in his bank border and where he should have been probably one of the safest places. Um, so I have some questions if anything could have prevented this. And so maybe an ERPA law could have prevented this. Because the kid texted a friend, and I don't know if he texted his family or the friend turned around and texted the family the morning of the shooting, said, I'm suicidal. I, don't I, think, know, I think he texted the family something. Because the family that, called the cops. And that, well, he called the cops because the roommate saw him leave with a gun. Yeah. And he called the family, then the family called the cops, I think was 
I, I think that's the way yeah. it broke down. So what I was saying, there was a period of time where people <clears throat> knew this man was in danger, a danger to himself at least. It was out in public with a with a, a long gun. So I don't know. I just look. It's Kentucky. It's guns. I get it. I'm a gun owner. I'm a Democrat. I've always said Kentucky Democrats don't want your guns. We got plenty of our own. You know, I've always said stuff like that. Um, but I really hope that uh, some people will take a look at some of these. Uh, simple suggestions that people have around following uh, Car Act and ERPA laws and stuff where if you know you're a danger, you can surrender your guns to a family member or somebody and then that you can get them back when you want them. And I know there's a lot of talk about the red flag laws and a lot of people are kind of draconian over them, but there is due process. A judge does make a decision in the red flag law process for, you know, uh, if an accused abuser should get a weapon back, you know, right after they got uh, arrested for abusing their spouse. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sorry, Tommy's gone. I'm sorry, everybody's gone in Nashville. Um, you know, I just hope, you know, Winston Churchill always said about America, it will always do the right thing after it exhausts every other opportunity. <laughs> and so I hope that's what we do when we talk about reducing gun violence. Uh, I just hope we do it in time to save innocent kids. I just, you know, yeah. I and Aaron Yarmouth kind of attacked me on Twitter and said, like, you're better than this. Dude, like, and I, I, I just, it was at night. I didn't feel like getting into what was going to end up being a whole fight with a bunch of liberals on Twitter at like 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> That's what you call a fun time, though. Yeah, well, sometimes. <laughs> I didn't have the energy for it that night. Um, but because I posted you know, that we we have a violence problem in this country. And, you know, because he said something like, well, I don't care. Because I, I said, you know, we, we have a, we have a, I said, we have a gun violence problem. We have, we also have a domestic violence problem. We have a sexual violence problem. We have a racial violence problem. Yes. We have a violence problem in this country. Yes. And I don't know what to do about it. Um, but, you know, something's got to be done. And he was like, well, I don't, I'm not worried about people coming into my kid's school with, with racial or sexual domestic. I'm worried about gun violence. And what I would say to Aaron is, I'm worried about people who want to kill kids. That there, that there are people out there. I don't care if they show up with the school with a gun, a chainsaw, a knife, yeah. or a truckload of fertilizer and diesel. I'm I'm concerned that there are people who want to go, who want to kill themselves and kill other people at the same time. I, I, and I don't, and I and I don't know how you get, how you handle like you know do we do more kind of dispute resolution and 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 mental health training stuff in schools? I because the problem is when when you identify them, it's probably too late. Uh, you know, so yeah. it's the, the the back end stuff, but I don't I mean there's something that has gone awry societally that is causing this. And yeah. I, I don't know it's above my pay grade to say what the answer is or what to do about it, but I know that yeah, we can do some stuff that might cut down the number of fatalities in, it, in an incident when it comes to gun control. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I want to see people like Joe Girth who yell, yell, yell at Republicans when they say, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers. All right, what are you going to do when somebody, you, you ban guns, somebody comes in and stabs three people? Is that okay? Like, is it okay to offer thoughts and prayers to the parents of those three people because it wasn't six? Yeah. And so, like, I think this is the fact that anybody's dying is, is a problem. But I don't, and I think part of it is we as humans are... It is very difficult for us to deal with complicated parts of our humanity, and mental health is a very complicated part of our humanity. So we focus on these small, more tangible items that we feel like we can deal with, mm -hmm. but they're—it's not going to fix the problem that people want to kill other people. Right. And well, I don't know how to how to how to process, yet alone fix that problem. So this is a perfect example of 
a conversation where we got to turn that temperature down. Uh, this is a holistic problem. Like, like you said, y- yes, we have, there are some common sense, um, small tweaks we could make to law. Um, like bulk, how, to, how are bulk stocks legal? I don't understand how, how right, bulk stocks are right. contracts. But at the same time, yeah. but, but look at countries that have a better work-life balance. Look at countries that um, have, you know, more close-knit communities or close-knit families. You know, uh, we have people online all the time. We're working all the time, and that's part of that that American ideology, right? We it's it's that Calvinist, um, you know, sort of we will work as hard as we have to, and we were born to work, and it's really served America well. But I think that there are a lot of dynamics in this society we have to look at, and it's in part, you know, do we have access to, you know, weapons that can kill a lot of people at once? Um, but it's also what, what how are we wrapping around people? And, and frankly, I think there's probably a lot of research to be done on the, um, you know, basically the, the the science, the neurology around mass killings. I think we we really need to unlock uh, the pieces that would help us better identify these um, tragedies and, and ahead I of time. We do need that because the basic some facts are that Europe and Asia have mental health issues. Europe and Asia have violent video games. And yet this is the only country where this happens consistently. And so um, I don't really want to talk too much more about it because it's yeah. going to be a rough day for I, I was, everybody. I, but says, I, I, I put a lot of the blame on this. And I think I know there's been a study. There's at least a TED talk from a professor at Stanford that in this, by now is probably I've been talking about it for at least a decade. So it's, it's an older TED talk. But I, I think a lot can be said about the effect mentally of social media mm-hmm. and especially the fa- your ability to interact with people in such defined ways rather than a holistic manner where you know used to you could walk around the neighborhood and you know every one of your neighbors you, you know and, and you could say well you know bob's a republican and i'm a democrat but you know, Bob's a pretty good dude so you know mm-hmm. there, there's good republicans out there doesn't let so, the grass get too tall yeah so many people <laughs> so many people self-segregate both online and, and honestly self-segregate uh, our, our population trends have become more and more self-segregating. And, you know, I know people who, I, I mean, I know people I talk to fairly regularly who I'm maybe, I may be the only Republican they'll interact with this week. Um, and that self-segregation, both especially online, but, but somewhat in person as well, it takes away the ability to say, well, I disagree with this person on this issue but I know other people like them, so they must, you know, so they still have the capacity to be a good person. All you know about them is we disagree on this, therefore they must be bad. And I think it removes some of those mental barriers to, you know, harming people when you, you, there's an existential belief that I am good, they're bad. And there's just, there's not that, that person to, there's such a lack of person to person contact and touch. And I don't have to, you know, how many millennials would, just don't leave messages. They don't, you know, they'll, they'll text you. They don't want to pick up the phone to call. They I'm a text. millennial and I do not want to talk on the phone. If someone calls me, I'm like, who died? Um, but, you but know. your, your well, point is well taken. I look, I look right? through the Fletcher administration. Most <laughs> would rather call. Don't, don't text me. Pick up the phone and call. <laughs> well, the last thing I'll say on this topic is, um, you know, your point is well taken that when, when we see massive violence like this, very uh, egregious violence, often what we find is that people um, have been able to disassociate the humanity of a person. And when you're talking about when we interact with people on a daily basis, these are real people to us. But online, um, it's easier to sort of strip them of that humanity and make it um, a lot more black and white, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're also able to find communities that reinforce your belief, your beliefs and thinking yes. online much easier than in the real world. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's, let's talk about other more fun stuff. Uh, General Assembly session wrapped since we've left. 
Um, it kind of went pro forma, overruled all the vetoes. There wasn't even all that much debate on any of them. Um, two big bills did pass, though. Uh, one was kind of foregone conclusion. The other was somewhat of a surprise. Uh, barrel tax? Just kidding. Did not. Uh, <laughs> no. Medicinal marijuana and sports gaming. Yeah. Both passed. Uh, I think we're, at least the podcast here is relatively happy about I'm not Now I'm complaining that it's not going to be in effect till December. Well, I actually, yeah. I would be shocked if it's in effect by December. I thought, I thought it would be Jan one Super Bowl earliest, uh, March Madness more likely. Just well, you, you got to now. Well, now what I am told is that they are, despite the law not taking effect till June twenty eighth or whatever the hell the date is this year. Um, I'm told that they are actively writing the regs like yeah. early, even though the law hadn't taken effect. You know, my concern was that they would, they wouldn't. Because I mean, I, to be honest, I don't know how it's legal to expend ex, expend government resources on something that's not currently legal. But try to ask questions. Yeah, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but but so but then there's the whole process that, that they've got to they've got to bid it out to the tracks, and then the tracks have to mm. bid it out to the vendors. Why can't they just turn on my damn <laughs> draft? I don't know. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to gamble. DraftKings. Oh no, I, I was I, I was in the Detroit airport, uh, Fonda <laughs> France, making bets from the from the Sky Club. There you go. That's right. <gasps> I didn't know we could do that at the Sky Club. <laughs> I was in the Detroit Sky Club yeah, as well. If you're in a, if you're a legal bank state, that's where I made my Reds <laughs> bet. So we get two and talk about baseball. Reds, uh, not terrible, not good, but not terrible. Hey, that's yeah, all. That's yeah. all I need. That's all <laughs> that's I need. All. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so sports gaming uh, legal, a big big win. You know. Uh, I think Gene McLean had something about it on, on his website. Uh, I guess there's a rumor out there that Joe Kraft personally called Stivers mm. and kind of intervened and told Robert we need to, we need to do this so, on weed or gaming on gaming. Okay, because um, you know Robert Stivers ended up flipping to a, to a yes, mm-hmm. and I mean it, it passed ended up passing comfortably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Despite the fact that everybody thought it'd be it'd be very slim, so. Uh, same with medical marijuana. I think, um, you know, there was always this conversation. We're not going to do a lot this session. We're not going to do anything big this session. Just clean up. Those are two pretty big issues that have been in the wings for multiple years, right? That's a big move. I, I always thought medicinal marijuana would pass this year. Um, but I, sports gaming, I really believed it would it would, it would would take till next year when they had they lowered from the 60% threshold to the to the 50. So yeah. kudos, legislature. Yeah. Thanks for the income tax as well. I appreciate that. Yes. We will, uh, this podcast, whenever sports gaming is legal, this podcast will morph into Kentucky Politics and Sports Gaming Weekly. You cannot wait. Jared will have his... I have some severe thoughts on uh, Bulgarian Premier League soccer. Jared will have his his Jared Smith Stone Cold Lock of the Week every week. Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Call 1-900-Jared-Lock. Get your picks today. Lock of the Week. Um, let's go, I guess, one more General Assembly thought before we... Oh, um, are we going to talk about committees, or... Yeah, well, we can talk about committees. Uh, one, Abby and I were asked about that on KT. One thing I did want to mention is uh, happy trails, soon to be, to uh, mm. to a podcast guest and good friend of mine, Whitney Westerfield, uh, announced that he will not run for re-election next year, so he'll have one session left to, left to be there. You know, Whitney's interesting because he's... He's very conservative, uh, on social conservative stuff. But you know, there's a lot of issues that he's he's one of the few Republicans who's willing to work with with the left on on a mm-hmm. collection of stuff, especially when it comes to criminal justice reform. Yeah, you know, he he's 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 a thoughtful person who is not inflexible. Right, right, and, and I mean, 
certainly I think Whitney will be uh, will be missed, especially by by those of us in, in Piper Smith. But um, he does lend a balance to that uh, caucus that I think is helpful, right? Um, that that the need to question things is inherently good. And so um, see, certainly he will be missed. Um, I, I do think that, um, well, I'm interested to see who will replace him. But um, yeah, good luck to you wherever you go. And, and I hope you get some time at home to actually make money and be with your family. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes, talk, talk about committee assignments. Uh, the House stripped a bunch of members of committees. Kim Mosier, I thought, was the interesting one. Um, the rest of them were all kind of the Liberty Wing people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's only, we're going to talk about Tennessee here in a minute. There's only so much, there's only so far you can push leadership, and leadership only has so many ways that they should use to retaliate uh, by, you know, when, when you're when you're bucking leadership, especially in your own party, and one mm-hmm. of those few ways, we've seen Lito McConnell use it in the U.S. Senate this year, mm-hmm. um, and appears uh, uh, House leadership availed themselves of that option this year at, at kicking people off committees. You know, that it's... I mean, it's kind of a moot point and basically doing it just, just to just to say we're mad at you at the end of session because, you know, <laughs> the session's over. Well, I mean, yes, but also um, it, it does have impacts for the interim. It and, does. You know, on principle, I, regardless of who's in charge of any party, you know, I think it's it's um, it, it's demo- undemocratic to say you no longer have a voice. Felicia Rayburn has no committee assignments now. Um, her, her people elected her. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that it's the job of anyone to decide whether she gets a seat at the table or not. She's, people elected her. Uh, on the other hand, you know, actions do have consequences. This is a normal thing that happens in legislatures all over the country um, and probably beyond. I don't expect leadership to opine on this. Uh, this is really an internal matter for them. Um, but Did you just it is interesting. Well, I'm the Little independent. Bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it's it's, it's complex, right? I mean, I, I think you gotta keep them in line. I think committee re- removal is the best way to go. I think you know expulsion or anything like that. Like you know, even in Congress with our board George, until he faces some sort of criminal charges or whatever, you know, being off committees because you're still able to represent the people who set you there on the uh, you know when it comes to voting on every bill that comes, you know, any bill that came to that committee that you're no longer on, you're still got a chance to vote for it. You're That's still going to have a chance, a chance to, to, to be a voice for the people that sent you. Uh, so you're not depriving people of their elected representative, but you are sending a message that, hey, there's a you know a standard of behavior here that we're, we're expecting to expect of, of members or members of the caucus. And if you don't toe the line or you don't behave the way that we expect you to, then, you know, there's there's going to be some consequences. I'd rather they just primary send, send somebody to primary consequences, it. And I'm just going to throw a completely abstract situation out there. What if somebody was removed of his or her assignments in a state legislature anywhere in the country? And then on the last day of session, trashed leadership and openly talked about primary said leadership on his or her way out the door to the press. Mm. What is leadership to do with that? That's a good question. I think leadership is to recruit a primary challenger to that person. I, I would agree. <laughs> I imagine that uh, primary challenge would be well funded. I mean, if only there was a super PAC <laughs> out there that <laughs> wanted to represent Main Street Republican issues and yeah. was open for donations and more than willing to spend whatever money people send to the super PAC, <laughs> such as Common Sense Kentucky PAC. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> we've, oh, not made, we've not made it to the shameless plug portion of the show yet. So. <laughs> Well back. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's go uh, let's go national. Let's start with Trump. 
uh, since we since we have last convened, Trump has been indicted, and you know, kudos to Donald Trump for successfully taunting and baiting the person that he wanted to be the first to indict him to indict him. I, you know, I think that it was a it was a clear strategy on Trump. He the guy say what you want about him, he's crazy, but he's crazy crazy like a fox too. Like he he wanted the most liberal jurisdiction with the weakest charges to charge him first. He came out and he said, oh, I'm going to be indicted on Tuesday. And that got conservatives fired up to back him. And it got liberals mad when the charges didn't come. And it got them to put pressure on Bragg to get it done. Mm-hmm. And we end up with the most liberal prosecutor with the worst, with, with the weakest charges of all the potential charges that Trump's facing. And mm-hmm. now everything that comes afterwards, you can just say, oh, it's the deep state piling on me. And, you know, I think it's... Georgia state government's the deep state? Deep South State, yeah. Well, but look, I mean, <laughs> he's polling well. He's, I mean, DeSantis he's is far away from that. He's, right go, he's I mean, going up. He is yes. destroying DeSantis right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was effective, the right? that came out today, Meatball Ron, So, Ron. you know, I, I think Trump, as much as I hate, hate to say it, I think he's played this thing perfectly. Uh, I think the charges are weak. They're attempting to get him on a on federal campaign finance issues in a state court and they're using, they're hanging their hat on, well, he was then going to use this whole rigmarole to, uh, to, to, uh, 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 to lie on a state tax form. And like, that's their kind of backdoor connection to bring it into a well, state man, court. They got Al Capone on tax evasion. Yeah. But then this, had, the gangsters also realized they had to pay taxes. But this isn't even tax evasion. <laughs> this is like intent to evade taxes based on a federal. Intent to evade what? Intent to intend to pay <laughs> taxes, and I, but it's no. This, this is the weakest case. Yeah. It shouldn't have been brought first. Um, yes, Trump probably did do some bookkeeping crimes, as I call it. Crime still a crime. Last time I checked, especially when you've been yep. doing it for years. But uh, but, but it's not a state crime. The, the jurisdiction's even wrong here. It's, uh, just, it's just that you know, Bragg is, yeah. is doing everyone who doesn't want to see Look, Trump. They've got him on tape in again. Georgia. They got Georgia officials cooperating with the investigation because they certainly were going to go down. And you the, saw Brian Kemp and the Secretary say were easily reelected when Warnock won statewide because I think they were independent of Trump to a degree. And the DOJ, the DOJ stuff on Mar-a-Lago seems to be. I think that's got some teeth, but we'll see what happens. I mean, there there's been some stuff come out the last couple of weeks that seem to increase the likelihood that there's stickable charges there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's some stuff that. Maybe you know, it's a good sandwich. It's a good state and federal sandwich. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but but then but, yeah, but, but then then they've got the they state got, meaning Georgia, not New York. They've got the bread and butter pickles instead of the dill pickles going up in New York. Sandwich. You you want the dill, and you know the concern is they somebody they just spit the whole sandwich out because that one that one pickle ruins it. So I don't so, know. There's a chance Trump could be on trial during the primary. Oh, uh, in yes. New York, it's. Hundred percent certain. I think the first hearing isn't until December fifth. Yeah, but I think Georgia would probably move quicker. But I've been told to expect a May, May first week of May indictment in Georgia. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I you could probably depending on how long the Trump. I mean, if I were the Trump campaign with, with the New York thing, I would want to drag that sucker out as long as possible. I would I would mm-hmm. want to make sure that it's still around for me to use as a campaign and funder. Yep. Uh, I'd like to extend a hat tip to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who thought she wanted the smoke of the New Yorkers. <laughs> And then got out into the New York street and immediately left. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Marjorie Taylor Greene. She wanted Green, the smoke and she got it from the New Yorkers. <laughs> speaking of Marjorie Taylor Greene, in our next story talking about leaks uh, on, on the Iraq War, she tweeted yesterday, 
Jake Jake Teixeira, which I wonder if he's related to Mark. Jake Teixeira is a is white male Christian and anti-war. That makes him an enemy to the Biden. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Ask yourself, who is the real enemy? A young, low-level National Guardsman or the administration that is waging war in Ukraine, a non-NATO nation against nuclear Russia without war powers. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think the fucking guy who committed a little light treason is the, is, is just the, light is the enemy. I may be guilty of light treason. A little, little, little light treason. Um, I, I think he's all, that's, that's heavy treason. Second of all, <laughs> I guess Putin's wire account hit Marjorie Taylor Greene's bank account here soon. Yeah. Uh, she's found out. Ukraine doesn't have nukes because they gave them up because we asked yes. them to. Yes, we, we, and we yeah. told them we, That's would, why we, they don't have we would protect them if they gave up their nukes. Which they were like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, these people, are, they're, they're insufferable. They're idiots. They don't understand anything beyond the front door of their house. And they barely <laughs> understand how to open that. And they're, 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 they're idiots. They're idiots. They're, they're just. Well, it's, it's that damaging rhetoric, I think, that we kind of get back to, right? I, it, yeah, I mean, because people believe this, they see it they and do. they believe it. They, they it, now, I, I believe she believes it. I think she's, she's dumb not. enough that she actually does believe this. Stuff. So she doesn't think that what just happened in Massachusetts is a massive security leak that we had to go send our ambassadors out to reassure all of our allies. She thinks week. she thinks the dude's a patriot. What's her thoughts on reality uh, winter? Uh, well, they would what be her a, thoughts on snow. Would be a patriot except transgender. So, oh, okay, no longer a patriot. Top of that. Okay. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a litmus test, you know, to get into Congress. There has to be. Uh, you know, I mean, Santos is in. Marjorie Taylor Greene's in. I, I am. I am psychiatric evaluation. Every day, I become more a fan of the idea of some sort of poll quiz, both to be on the ballot and to be able to test, like, or be able to vote. Like, not anything difficult, just like three questions that a second grader who happened to glance at NBC Nightly News last <laughs> night can answer, like, who is the vice president? <laughs> you know, like... Don't make it so hard for Like, just, what's the full name of this country that you live in? <laughs> like... I mean, I bet you'd name one founding father. Just one. Just one. I mean, I bet you'd weed out like a solid 15% of voters of that. Just uh, people have gotten so. And like you said, Jared, they they only. You've gotten to where you can only. If you you so desire, you can make it through your entire life only reading news coming from news outlets. And I use outlets loosely with the you can't see on radio air quotes. Uh, You can make it through your whole life. Reading news only from outlets that confirm your pre-existing biases, right? And there, it's just it's not a healthy way to live. Like I'm a conservative. Guess what? I get out and thrown out my lawn every day. The New York Times, like I, on, on wow election night, I don't watch Fox News. I know what those people are going to say. <laughs> I watch MSNBC or, or or I watch CNN. And and honestly, I think it makes me a better person. I know it makes me a, be- a better debater. It makes me a better politician. That I actively prefer to watch and read news that's opposed to my that's generally opposed to my viewpoints because a I might learn something, mm-hmm. but more even if even if you believe well I'm not going to learn anything from those people guess what I learn how the other side talks what the other side believes and it makes me a better arguer for my side right because I know your arguments you know and most of the time people aren't going to know mine because they're not reading my, my side's you know news outlets so it's it's. People are so freaking dumb. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, what an idiot. She thinks this guy's a hero? 
He's literally guilty of treason. Like not not like a not like a not oh that's gonna it's, no, it's not complicated. And not even like right? we, not even like we can kind of argue January sixth, treason or not. You know, no, this is treason. Like this specifically is giving aid and comfort to our enemy. Like that's literally the definition of treason. Like you, you know, you, even if you're a hard writer, you can say, well, January 6th, they're just being patriots, they're taking our country back. You know, fine, that's like an internal conflict. This is treason. This, yeah. the, the, you're giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Again, that is the literal, when I say textbook, I mean, it is in the law definition of treason. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can we just, can we just spend a minute focusing no, on that? My question is, why does a state National Air Guard unit have an intelligence division, and and why why and how is uh is Thug Shaker Central <laughs> now a thing that we have to know nationally? Uh, I mean, when you look into it, he's twenty one years old. He's the oldest person on this gamer Discord channel. <laughs> yep, that where he's leaking. The, where he's leaking, and and, 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 and his friends like, no, he's not some sort of patriot thing. He just thought it was cool, and wanted to show us. Like he's just he's just showing off for on these like server. for these like fourteen year old kids who are on this server. You're like this guy's boring. Posting racist 14, memes 14, uh, of the, of all those kids, thirteen or foreign intelligence officers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love one of the comments from, from like one of the. Who clearly is under uh, the, the media reports don't say it. Clearly, it's underage is why they're not given the name of like mm. one of the people that they're talking yeah. to about it. And it's like, I mean, only a couple of our members are from Russia. There's one or two from Ukraine. Oh I think there's one from oh, China. Yeah, we've got the SVR. There's on a there. couple from Eastern got Europe on there. But like most of us are from the U.S. And that, you know, but we don't, nobody really wanted to like the Chinese on there. North Koreans are on there. Like these these people are they're just they're idiots. They got used. And they don't know it. That's the funniest part. They don't they don't know it. Uh, all right, Tim Scott's running for president. We got any comments on that one? No, <laughs> no, I'm letting that one go. <laughs> he ain't gonna win. He's selling books. Let's just let's be honest. He's That's sell, right. He's yeah, selling yeah. books. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite stories of the last two weeks: Disney fucked Ron DeSantis, and it's fantastic. <laughs> they, got him. they got him good. They they win it. Uh, my favorite part of it is we can't you you cannot change the covenants until the last heir to George the Third dies. <laughs> 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 I mean, the Santa sat there. They rented and raised. They had a bunch of press conferences attacking Disney, and this is all because Disney had like a Pride Day, right? Um, that's what started like that. all this. Something like that, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let corporations do what they want to do. And, well, and what what I love is is they're, if you don't want Bud Light, I'll drink it all. They're like me. they're like Hemet and Hawn and, and yelling and raving and raving. Meanwhile, the the Reedy Bridge or Reedy Creek. Corporation board or whatever. Some white collar attorneys on the board, and and they're silently. They, they, and, and there there are records that there was public notice, and there was it, it was all and all oh all behind the book when it comes to laws. Like even while DeSantis is signing the law, these dudes are down down here having a meeting and like passing all these ordinances that basically locks in everything that's there now, and they can't be changed. And it took it took my favorite part is it took DeSantis people like a month and a half to realize. <laughs> Shit had been filed in the clerk's office. It was done. It, it was like a month and a half later. They're like, oh, oh, wait. <laughs> I just love the George the, the George the Third part. He'll <laughs> be back. Um, but now I will say this is what happens when you staff your administration with yes men and ideologues. I will That's say this: true. competent human beings. Now I will say this, and I, I, am, I am not. 
attempting to defend Disney. If you ever go and watch, there's a bunch of good YouTube videos on this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, this was this is the most corrupt freaking thing, maybe in U.S. history. This 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 Reedy Creek, like. Disney went in and they set up. They like they they basically paid off politicians to be allowed to set up this 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 uh, like conservation board, you know, whatever this board that basically oversaw the land inside. By the way, of another county, but this, they're like completely autonomous in this little thing. Mm-hmm. And then they they that it's like only the residents got could be elected to the board of it. Well, then they had. Disney people own all the property there. Oh, well. So only Disney people could be on the board, basically. And then they just did what they wanted. And, like... I, I mean, a, I've read Barbarian at the Gates. This sounds just like... There's a couple of good YouTube videos on it. I mean, it's it's incredibly corrupt, but, like, it's also stupid the way the DeSantis went after it. I mean, the, the entire Florida economy exists on, on tourism. Like, what the hell is it right. doing? That'd be like if Kentucky was like, oh, no, you know what? Screw the horses. Like <laughs> we're gonna close down the horse farms and we're and, gonna and we're gonna be dry. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be dry. And we're gonna ban horse racing. What do you think about that? You know, like, <laughs> I, it's it's asinine. And I love I love the fact that Disney just used their billions of dollars and their corporate lawyers to very quietly just go about their business and screw screw them over. There's nothing illegal about it. Meatball Ron's having a bad month. He's he's not having he's not having a good time. Um, yeah, he's down the polls. Trump's killing him right now. I've yeah. said all along, and I thought every time another candidate gets in, it makes it more likely for Trump to be the nominee. And but mm-hmm. I've, I've compared DeSantis all along to, to Giuliani, and I always point out we had after the 07 governor's election, we had a fundraiser here in Lexington with Giuliani for the state party. At that point in time, he was polling like 20 points ahead of anybody else for the 08 presidential nomination. He didn't even make it to Super Tuesday. Wow. Yeah, uh, I mean. So when you say he's like Giuliani, do you see a future where uh, he's got a press conference at us? Give him a press conference Four Seasons landscape. I can, only, I can only hope so. I don't know. It's the Santa's something. He, he might have it at like a gator barn or something. <laughs> like it's so obvious they messed the location. Why would they go through with it? Why did they not just press conference be scheduled before PM? Like, we set up the wrong address. Sorry. We went over here. Yeah. Like, well, everybody, the camera's here. I guess we're doing it. Yes, we're doing it. <laughs> uh, a man of the people. A man of the people. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Now, let's talk about Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature. Uh, has uh, everybody heard the leaked audio tape of their caucus meeting after the vote? I, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. If not, look it up. Abby, Abby's actually impressed. She thought it was going to be a lot worse. Than oh, was. I thought it'd be way worse. It came up in our one of our group chats, and they're like, "Oh, this is this is pretty damning." And I, I listened to them like, "That's exactly what I thought happened in caucus." <laughs> I, I I thought it'd be a lot worse. You, if you haven't followed, Tennessee kicked out two legislators. Well, they had a vote to kick out three. They kicked out the two young black men and kept the old white woman, <laughs> which is not a good look on, on itself. <laughs> Um, for leading a protest on the floor. Now, what I will say is they were 100% out of line, and there needed to be some punishment for general lack of break of decorum. They should have. They should have done what they did. Um, expulsion was probably the wrong way to go, especially when there's, I, a, there's a lack of decorum at least once every session. Yeah, but they had a bull, they had like a bullhorn, huh? and they were down in in the well, like in it, the well. It, it was. It was. It. it I mean, it's. It, was, it, it definitely broke the, the rules that they all agreed to. And that's why we have decorum rules. Yeah, and yeah, no, I understand. I understand. They broke the rules. It's not right here, about that. Here's my question: Did the tennis was the Tennessee legislature leadership actually aware of the rules for replacing expelled members? 
Obviously not. They, they couldn't have been. They were back in a week. <laughs> yeah, they were back in a week. And so basically all they did was they created two martyrs and they raised a crap ton of money. They had national and, fundraising ability. And activated a crap ton of, of activists. That's true. Against them. And they basically did literally nothing but endanger their own incumbents. Mm-hmm. And they got uh, people poking around the speaker, find out he has a house in Nashville that he didn't disclose. He may not live where he's actually from now. Well, I mean, those, do I, I know the rules. Like, if you plan to return there, well, uh, well but what I'm saying is he hit, was under no scrutiny. Now everybody's poking through. Well, his, also wonder his what record. I also wonder what Tennessee's rules are because Kentucky has specific rules where, like, if you're if you're the the I think they might only apply to Senate President and Speaker. They may apply to Majority Leader. I'm not sure, but I know Kentucky's got rules where. Like, you basically, once you get to those positions, the residency rules don't matter if you have a house in Frankfurt. Like, Stumbo and, and mm-hmm. David could, could live there but still represent their home districts because you're expected to spend yeah. so much time there as a leader. That, that's actually specifically in the rules. I don't know that Tennessee has that. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is, oh, we go back to unforced yeah. errors. They're, right, right. Their caucus made massive unforced error. Strip them to the committees. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you can find them something out of their official pay. Yeah, you I know? mean... Tell me you can't wear white suits on the floor, you know, whatever. Just, well, look, we adopt the rules of order every year at the beginning of session. Those are the rules of order. The, the, if you vote for that, or whether you vote for it or not, really, like they're adopted. Those are the rules of order. They, yeah, you they, have to follow them. They deserve a punishment of some sort. But, Correct. I and mean, it's there they, for safety. Let's be clear. I mean, those rules of order are there for not just productivity, but for safety of the members on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a You have such high regard for the rules in uh, chambers, don't you? This, 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 this is a country where we once had a, a member of Congress beat another one with a cane on the floor. You know, he did beat him. It, uh, um, it happens. Yeah. Sometimes so, you got to beat a guy down. It's... <laughs> Sometimes you're trying not to look extra racist, and you still end up looking extra racist because you leave the old white <laughs> yeah, lady. Yeah, you leave the old white lady. You forget yeah. to do all of the token white lady that you were going to use. <laughs> And I was, they were like, well, she didn't have a megaphone. The other two did. Well, if you listen, they're like, you didn't establish the case for her. We just established that she walked from here to there. Yeah. And it's just like, why? What are we doing? Why are we fighting, why are we fighting strong men that don't exist? Well, just, we like, have real problems. If you're going to do it, you, that strategy should be airtight. And it just yeah. wasn't. Right? And, and, and it should like preclude them coming back. Correct. Which, yeah, like literally four days later. A week, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, that... These these guys. I mean, Tennessee in general has just been a clown show the last month. Like you had the lieutenant, the lieutenant governor. Just the last month. Well, I mean, it's more than usual. Yeah, more than usual. Specifically, they really stepped up their game. Specifically in the realm in which this podcast covers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the legislature should just go home for a while, for like try to get next year, Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, y'all just need to work on yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next year, try again. I mean, good lord, people. Oh, man. Um, uh, John Wick 4 is amazing. If anybody hasn't seen it, go see it. I have, I have not seen that. I it's think, unreal. It's I think so we're going to go see the Mario movie on Sunday. So. I'm excited for that. Uh, <laughs> um, Lexington, interesting, interesting story in Lexington. And I will, we have a soccer team that plays in Georgetown? We do have that, yes. Okay. I guess... Uh, have they figured out where to build the stadium yet? Or is it going to be out off of Athens, Boonsboro? Or? Uh, that, that's, logically, that's probably where it's going to be. Now they want incentives and stuff, and they're shopping around in Jessamine County and whatnot. Yeah, that's so. going to be like the Redskins, right? Yeah. Or, the, the, or the Commanders, or whatever, you know. Yeah, Central Kentucky the, the Washington, the Washington team. It's in Annapolis. <laughs> Uh, by the way, interesting, interesting story there. Uh, the commander sold I saw that. $6 billion. You know why that makes me sad? Because now the 
Glazers will think Manchester United is worth more and won't sell to the Qataris, which is what I'm hoping. <laughs> and I just lost the entire audience. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what you exactly just said. What were those words? They were English, but <laughs> unfamiliar in the order in which they were stated. The Glazer brothers <laughs> on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Manchester United. Yes. Manchester United's up for sale. The Qataris are bidding for it. And now the, the Redskins sold for five, six billion? Uh, like 5.98 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I'm afraid we priced the Qataris. Yeah, but I mean, oh. you know, but to be fair, you also get FedEx Field, which occasionally dumps sewage on people's it's heads. It's a dump. Parker and I are still waiting for our chocolate milk from the Manchester United Barcelona game. <laughs> 2017. Yeah. I was saying, I went to I went to uh, my, the whole time I was living over there. I went to one uh, Redskins game, and I actually was at the I was at the George Allen Hoedown. He used to have a great <laughs> fundraiser every year since he was a, a state delegate, I think, and all the way through uh, he's the U.S. senator. He had a big the, the George Allen Hoedown every year in, in Richmond, and I won like the big door prize at, at one year, which okay. was which was two uh, like. So you have like the dream seats, which are the ones that, that are like recliner chairs and they just bring you all you can eat food and stuff. Uh, two seats, the row immediately behind that. Like, so basically okay. the, fr- the front row of tickets you could really buy. Front row, uh, uh, about the 60 yard line and a purple parking pass, which Ooh. is like, I kept going into the parking lot, driving, driving, driving. If, you, if you're a bit of Field, the parking there is among the worst at any major sports stadium <laughs> in the world. Well, no, uh, I took the uh, the metro and had to walk for like three miles. Well, yeah. Well, and, and even even the parking, like ninety percent of the parking, you have to take a bus from the parking lot to get there. There's a very small parking lot that surrounds the stadium. Most of the parking is like way off site. You got to bus over. Well, this this pass, you know, I was like, all right, so I'm driving up and like the red lot turns and people turn in there and the orange lot turns. I'm like, damn, where, where is this? Did I miss it? And finally, this last car turns in front of me and I see way up here, purple lot. And I literally, I could have hit the side of the stadium with, with a baseball. I could have thrown it hit the side. I was like, damn, George Allen, thank you. I mean, I was like that close. It was awesome. So I mean, that's my only experience. But that's, I mean, stadium is, is an hour outside of D.C. It's yes. it's like two hours to get there if you're trying to drive that in any level of traffic. Uh, just anyway, $6 billion is a lot of money. And it's and now, you, now you've, you've just given one of the worst people in sports $6 billion. I mean, to be fair, he's probably going to lose a solid chunk of it in lawsuits. He's got a couple coming, yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) But anyway, Alexa, interesting story. The health commissioner Mm. got fired. I I feel like there's more to come on this. Um, Why? Well, she was only in the job for three months, and there was no public reason stated for why she was fired. Hmm. Public employees don't get fired without reason. I mean, do you, you have to try to get fired from government, in my no, experience. No, if you're a, a non-mayor, you serve at the pleasure of the governor. Well, you know you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Normally. I once, the only person I know that got fired from LRC was a guy that literally unplugged his phone from the wall in his office for three months before they even noticed, and then he got fired because he wasn't answering the phone or emails. No, and Brad Metcalf, but that's in a whole other situation. <laughs> <laughs> He also told his wife that he was he was uh, doing. He told, he told one of his multiple girlfriends that he was doing uh, undercover research work for the for Corolla's future governor's campaign. Oh my god! That's why he couldn't see her like every night because she didn't know he was married. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> your story's way better than mine. Oh, there's there's more to that situation. Like that was a weird one, but yeah. The point is, you got to try. So like. 
for this woman to get fired after three months on the job. Yeah. And by the way, they had they had a health commissioner who wanted to retire. They had somebody lined up to replace him. He stayed on a little bit extra for COVID. Mm-hmm. They had somebody lined up to replace him. They decided not to take it. He stayed on for another six months. Then they hired somebody who was here for like eight months. He left to go somewhere else. Hmm. And then they hired her. And now they fired her. So it's not like this is a job that like they've had a lot of success filling. Like, you know, <laughs> so for them to fire somebody after they finally got it filled, hmm. like there's something there, there's something there. There's I don't know what it is, but there's something there. I mean, look, if I had a medical degree, I I would not be you know, doing that job, making 60 grand a year. So I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. If, if, uh, if anybody out there in the listening audience knows anything about that situation, feel free to, feel free to let us know. We're happy to, uh, <laughs> happy to talk about it. Um, I'm just looking right now. Joe Zonka has been tweeting some, some of the, uh, some of the other stuff in the poll that came out, the Emerson, uh, WDKY poll in the governor's is race. It, is it about like what? 22, 23% undecided. I was trying to do that. Twenty percent, uh, which 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 would swing any of the top any three, of the right? front runners. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about the poll right now. But I want to talk about these these uh, some of these cross tabs real quick. Kentucky GOP voters in 20, 24 presidential primary: Trump sixty one, DeSantis twenty two, Pence four, Haley four. You know, I I had heard numbers about a month and a half, two months old, that uh, Trump and and DeSantis were basically tied. So. I don't know if that's a bad sample or if or if the numbers have just shifted that much. That wow, Trump be that much. Uh, does Trump endorse, Trump's endorsement make you more or less supportive of a candidate? Thirty six say more, ten percent less, fifty five percent no difference. Okay. Does Trump indictment make you more or less likely to vote for him? Forty six percent say more, six percent wow. less, forty eight percent no difference. Six percent. Well, I think if you're if you're not voting for Trump, you're probably baked in. Like, I don't I don't okay. think like. I don't think I'm like, well, I was going to vote for him, but then he got indicted. Like, I don't think those people exist. Huh. Um, only, a, 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 only a very slight majority of Republicans opposed to legalizing recreational marijuana, four, 34% against 50%. Uh, so some interesting crosstabs there, but let's talk about yeah. the poll in general. Um, Daniel Cameron, 30%. Uh, Kraft, 24 Corals, 15 uh, Dieter's at eleven, is that right? Mm-hmm. And it's respectable. And then everybody else kind of double digits, which is everybody not else good. like. I think uh, Mike Carmen was like one point four or something. Everybody else below one, including Alan Keck, who was behind David Cooper. I think I've never heard that name. Yeah, I've never heard of him. <laughs> um, I was weird. I was like, I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> you know, we had two public polls. We had the Mason Dixon one in January, and this one. Uh, obviously, different. Uh, you know, different polling methodologies. Different companies, so it's 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 not really apples to apples, but you you can kind of I mean the trends feel accurate. Um, right. You know what I think is interesting is Kelly Craft between the Super PAC and the campaign spent about four million dollars. She picked up nine percent. Uh, Ryan Corals has spent literally nothing and picked up eight percent. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think anybody who would write Ryan out does so at their own peril because I mean that's he's picking up eight percent before he starts spending. And right. remember, he's won two statewide elections, so there is, despite his name ID being somewhat low, there is backlogged, what I, I call soft name ID. There's, right, you know, right. in the back of people's recess, the recesses of their brains, they know this name. They're like, oh, I like that guy. Yeah, right? so when, once he starts he came running, to our, our farm picnic or something. Yeah, once he starts yeah. running ads, I think people don't, you know, when you when you, you get called to the poll and you just read off a list of names, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't, like, connect dots. I think, oh, it's that Ryan. Well, yeah, that guy. Like, well, and we've talked about this before, what happened with Heiner and Comer when Bevan was elected. I mean, that's certainly a possibility with Kraft and Cameron really going at each other's throats. 
Um, Kraft has been in the airwaves. I, I see you've got, um, I mean, millions of dollars worth of uh, mailers here from her. Uh, Cameron's just kind of gotten up on the airwaves. And I don't know, I think it'd be and, really interesting to see what happens. And Cameron's doing what all frontrunners should do. He's attacking the governor and he's not, yeah. he's not I mean, attacking I, back I, at Kelly. I think Cameron's ads, but the, the campaign, I expected the super PAC is the one that's interesting to me. Yeah. And that tells me that they they have different numbers mm-hmm. that they feel like they're ahead. If, if they felt like Kraft was closing in, they'd start to go after Kraft. Okay, but the Super PAC is is pos- is all positive name ID stuff for Daniel. Um, the campaign's running, you know, like Jared said, the front runner ad. It's 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 going after going after uh, the governor. So I tend to believe that the Cameron campaign probably would argue with these numbers and believes that they have different numbers that show him with a more commanding lead. So, Trey, what do you think is the impact in Western Kentucky between the fact that, you know, Comer, who's he's got a real good standing there, you know, he's back in craft and Quarles has clearly been out there for, uh, you know, several years now, too. What do you think that dynamic looks like now? I don't believe that Jamie Comer has any level of rub to transfer support to one or the other. Okay. Uh, you know. Uh, it, and what's it, your reasoning for that? It's it's an incredibly rare politician that does. Okay. You know, okay. Trump, Trump is an extreme rarity that – and even in governor's races, the Trump endorsement was basically worthless. Mm. It was it had some value in Senate primaries. It didn't in governor's primaries. Um, okay, you know I think I think that it's just it's you know Obama had no coattails as popular as he was. You know Steve Bashir, Andy Bashir, no coattails. That's uh, true. You know I, I, it's it's very rare that a national level politician has coattails like that. What I where I do think there is potential impact is the endorsements that Ryan has, which is those local elected mm-hmm. officials, because they're more likely to like go out and do something to to actively get some people like you know Jamie Comer can go out and travel and, and do rallies and stuff. You know, a magistrate can literally go to somebody's house say, "Hey, I'm going to vote. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go." Look, if you're a county judge, you want to be on the side of the guy that wins the governorship, who's going to appoint the commissioner of DLG, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that simple. So, you know, I think those endorsements have have more value than than you know, and I'm saying Comer just as a national figure, just a member of Congress or somebody. Mm-hmm. Who's who's not local specifically to you? I, I I just don't I don't know the level of transference there. I can tell you this: he worked against Ryan before and didn't have any effect. Well, that's so. true. That's true. What about Northern Kentucky? I, I mean, the question there is just it's a turnout question, right? They never they never they don't vote Republican primary. That, that's what I wanted to get oh. to. Is I'm really curious to see what this electorate looks like in this uh, Republican primary. Last year was probably the youngest election on record. Uh, at least it was in Fayette County. I do know that. And probably state and national. Am I right? Ryan Curl's big lead with young voters in that poll. Yeah. And so, but my question is, I, is it going to be? There's going to be massive drop off. We know that. It's an off off year. I, I'm election. told the Secretary of State's office has has actually downgraded their projections from 20 percent turnout to 18 percent. Yeah, that sounds about right. It'll probably be 13 or 14. I'm guessing at the end. Yeah, and because well, Dems aren't going to come out. But I mean, your and your points your points good is that you know here's the question. I mean, I, the real question, especially for the Corals campaign, is. He is going to be very strong in the rural areas, and we've seen a huge shift in not new registrants, but but people physically changing their registration from okay. Democrat to Republican. I tend to believe that if you're a proactive, being proactive enough to do that, you're probably not going to sit out a primary. You're 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 going to go vote, right? So the question is, what does that number look like? Because traditionally, um, especially in West Kentucky, specifically McCracken County, Christian County, Hopkins mm-hmm. County, are top forty counties in the state in population. When you overlay a governor's primary turnout over top of it, 
Only McCracken County stays in the top 40. Wow. The, the other two drop out because they're, they average nine, 10% turnout in, in, in gubernatorial mm-hmm. primaries because they were long, they were Democratic for a long time. And, you know, despite the fact they're being a population, they just, your, your media's a lot of overlap from out of state. Well, that's and true. you're four hours from Frankfurt, and you know West Kentucky's always kind of been the redheaded stepchild of the state, and at least in, in their minds, and they just don't pay as much attention to the governor's race. So the question is, but then but the Democrat turnout's always been considerably higher. I think McCracken County was like 30 percent for Democrat control. Yeah. So the question is, do those voters who have changed their registration mm. are they also Democratic gubernatorial primary voters? Because that won't show up in the polls. Because right. they're not traditional Republican primary voters, so they're, they're probably not getting called to polls. So, you know, what does that electorate look like? How much of a shift is there due to the voter registration trends? I tend to believe that if there is a correlating trend in gubernatorial primary turnout along with the change in registration, I tend to believe that's that's good for Ryan. Uh, it may be a little bit good for Kelly. I tend to believe it's probably bad for Daniel. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how that that plays out, but you know, on the on the poll, I think Dieter's strength is probably bad news for Daniel because anybody who's voting for Dieter's is like your Uber MAGA. Okay, and that means that they have said, "Screw Trump's endorsement. I'm voting for the real MAGA guy here." Uh, you know, I don't think Dieter's is stealing a lot of votes from from Team Quarles or Team Kraft. Was he the one that had that ridiculous mailer we, we yes. talked about? Okay, great. He's also the one that has that had the video, the, the YouTube video with the. Uh, him walking by all the graves and commenting <laughs> on how his political opponents had died. It's like 40 years in the future. That mailer was the single best mailer he I have ever went seen. To it was amazing. Ken Mex, uh, Ken Tech's barbecue restaurant in Shelbyville and bought voters food, which I'm not sure is legal. It might not be. He also, the other night, uh, by the way, while Republicans were up at some event here, uh, he was at Mar a Largo for Trump's speech. Oh my God. The night that the, the Trump got indicted. So wow! He by the way, he also has pled guilty to multiple misdemeanors of and stalking and disbarred. His, what? Yeah, and he's disbarred. He during the campaign he's pled stalking, guilty, uh, stalking and harassing his nephew. I think it was. Yes. Like during the campaign, yes. this was like a month and a half, two months ago. Okay. All um, right. <laughs> I'm just now realizing that Eric Dieters might decide who the Republican nominee for governor is, and that's rich. It's a possibility he's not going to win, but and here's no, the thing: he's, not win, here's but the thing. he's is, polling high enough. He can he can probably get on stage for the for the WDRB yep. debate and for the KT debate now. Yes, yeah, I would think so. Which you know he's just going to be an instrument of chaos. Well, because yeah. because he, he has an ad up and running. I saw it on Fox News, and it's like a split fifteen. So the first Did you see it here in, in yeah, I saw it okay. when I was at the gym the other huh. morning. I didn't hear it, but I, I saw it on the screen. But it's a split fifteen. The first fifteen seconds of it are. Uh, Pictures of, of Kraft and Cameron and Quarles and saying they're swamp monsters and controlled by Mr. Connell. And then the back 15 is Eric Dieters is, is Magan, you know, make it, make it take a great The real again. candidate. Yeah, okay. and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's probably for that for that audience, it's probably a pretty effective ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Kind of the other ads that are up now, uh, there's a new Super PAC ad, more teddy bears. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this one involving Alvin Bragg, the uh, the uh, Manhattan DA, linking him and his position on cash bail to uh, to Cameron. Uh, Joe Song had an interesting piece in the Courier about the Kentucky Smart on Crime Coalition that mm. is is kind of what they're attacking here. The fact that the Kelly Craft Super PAC is attacking an initiative that was 
being run and funded by the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce uh, that Joe Kraft was the chairman of at the time. Oh, interesting. So, interesting there. And by the way, the spokesperson for that group before Cameron was uh, one of Daniel Cameron's best friends and current uh, nominee for Attorney General, uh, Russell Coleman. Interesting. You know, that Kraft ad that came out um, on education has really fired up a lot of people as well. Um, Superheroes! The, the, the CRTs, we're, we're teaching them the CRTs, not the ABCs. It's so bad. That's it's really, good. really lit up uh, the education community in, in an unpleasant way. Um, just, you know, I've got anecdotal evidence, but also just, you know, many of the forums that I have access to, um, it, that's probably not her best move. Um but and these aren't teachers. These are administrators, principals, right? Teachers. Well, some of them are teachers. Some yeah. of them are just people who used to be educators. Some of them are not even educators at all. Some of them are, you know, people I used to work with at the district who were finance folks or whatever. Um, it definitely, it, it is a strong statement. Does it play well for the primary? Probably because, you know, a lot of educators are probably not Republicans. I, I but don't, I don't know that it does out in the rural areas, though, because remember, there's still a lot of registered Republicans who teach uh, in school districts across mm-hmm. the state. I mean, it's the highest, remember, it's the biggest employer in most remember, counties. Remember, Matt barely got 50% against a guy who strangled his wife. Like, that's true. It was a lot because of, of, of the ire of the, of the teachers. And I don't know, know if it was a smart move, is all I'm saying. Well, and I thought it was interesting, and I don't know if the Quarles campaign timed it this way or not, but Quarles put out his kind of, his weekly, mm-hmm. his, his kind of policy proposals a week thing he's doing on education the same day. And yep. just looking at the Twitter traffic and the comments on both media article, media posts about it and Quarles' own post, he had a tremendous amount of people. Now, a bunch of them I think were probably liberal, but a bunch of people on there saying, you know, wow, thanks. You're, like, you're actually talking about education policy. His mom was a teacher. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I think his his platform is certainly good. I will also say, uh, just you know, full disclosure. One of my clients, we have a, a legislative magazine, and we asked everyone um, who had announced at the time. Now this was back in the fall. Um, you know, give us give us a paragraph on what you what your vision for educate public education in Kentucky is. The only people who didn't respond was uh, well Keck because he, uh, he he's, well, and he said the message got lost, um, which I don't I don't know how to take that. Um, I don't think anybody would. No, but Kelly Craft did not respond. Her campaign, and I, I gave them probably nine different touch points, and they ultimately said, you know, we're not going to talk about policy right now. And I thought that was a really interesting move because, you know, that, that it, it speaks that the educator community is not important to her. And I think that that is um, a bold move. I, I also, you know, I kind of defended her a little bit that maybe she just spoke inartfully on what her what her actual position was. And I, and I still don't, I still don't think she means dismantle the department of education. I think what she means is like replace a lot of the leadership and re and shift the focus back to education, which I think if you message it that way in the, in, in the Republican primary, even in general, I think that you could, you know, I think I said the podcast before, if, if your message, if your message is it's going to be the department of education, not the department of the teachers union, I think even there's even teachers out there who would be who would be supportive mm-hmm. of that message. I, I think it's a totally different message. I think though, the right? way that she, but I think it, at the end of the day, it's it's intending the same thing, just less vitriolic and, and rhetorical. And I, yeah, I just I don't. I, but now I, the teachers unions don't run KDE, no. right? Um, and so that's an interesting dynamic too. You've obviously got. We've talked about on here before record spending in school board races. So it's obviously that the whole area is getting more political than it um, ever should have been. But, you know, I think it's I have heard Republicans that I would say are pretty far to the right uh, truly talk about dismantling the Department of Education. 
And so that part scares me because you know we have to have it to get federal here, funds, right? Yeah, so now here a lot federally, like that's a, that's a that's a Reagan era thing. Yeah. Remember, the problem, the U.S. Department of Education didn't exist before like 1976. So you know, dismantling well, the federal ones is a totally different. It's a totally different story. But yeah, the state level, you, you can't you can't dismantle it. Now reshaping it is a. But again, it's it's you get into messaging. I just I continue to believe her campaign is being mismanaged. I think she's being given poor advice, and the messaging has been bad. I, here's something else I'll say too: with the exception of one ad, the the one where she talked about uh, the last ad before this one, where she talked about USMCA and trade mm-hmm. and stuff, she's basically saying you need to vote for a Republican, but she's not necessarily saying you need to vote for Kelly Craft. That's interesting. Whereas Daniel Cameron's first ad is saying, "Here is something that I did." You should vote for me. A lot of her ads are just because. I mean, let's face it: Kraft, Cameron, Quarles. There, there's, there's, yes, there are there are shades of gray in policy positions where they differ, but right. by and large, they're, they're mostly yeah. kind of along the same lines on most policy positions. So, just running ads, talking, you know, I'm for this. Well, so are they. Yeah, like, you that's know, true. It, 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 like you're not. Most of her ads are not doing anything to set herself apart from the field and say why someone should vote for her over the others. She's well, just saying vote for a Republican. Yeah, but I think that's the next step and hopefully their their playbook, right? Because we've talked about it before. Yeah. Everything should be name ID. Yeah. I mean, now it looks like she has that covered. Yeah, it's written as a symphony. And, and, so, and we're, yeah. we're, we're in like the first movement here. And so, so the question is what, what comes next? Yeah, what, what comes next is either defining her opponents, which she's already tried, already started, or being like the resume. This is why I should win. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it comes out. I just, I've not been impressed with the work that has been. Now, I mean, I'll say the ad is kind of. If you, if you thought the best thing, the ad's kind of fun. Sure. It, it's not a bad ad. I just don't know if it's a it great strategy. Of, it reminds right? me of Neville Blakemore superhero ad. The, oh last, my God. The, last, the last time superheroes were using an ad in Kentucky. But, and, and to be fair. <laughs> Jared, you know, just Jared puts his head in his hands. I like Neville a lot, but I forgot about that. <laughs> And to be fair, the only reason we're really picking at her ads is because she's the only one that has ads up, really, except yeah. for Cameron. So I do want to say that. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to attack anybody. But I, but I think the, the final question we have to ask is, who can beat Bashir? Yeah. And, I, you know, who is that person? Is it Cameron? Is it Kraft? Is it Quarles? Is it Keck? I don't know. Um, but that's I think that's the the uh, radar we should have on, not, not you know, the, the I mean, bickering. I, I continue, and Jared, I won't ask you to betray any confidence of any people, but, I, you know, I continue to hear from both anecdotally and from people that have been in rooms that the, the person that Bashir, Rocky Atkins, that camp are most concerned about is Corals. Because I think at the end of the day, Bashir has to, remember, Bashir has to build a different coalition than anyone with in 19 because the I hate Matt Bevan coalition isn't there anymore. Right. So I think a very important part of that coalition is the, the governor was great to us during times of disaster coalition. Uh, you know, people in East and West who yeah. have, have existing good feelings. That. Well, the only other person out there who who uh, uh, as far as executive branch and administratively had a role and and was super active in disaster relief in those areas was was Quarles. You know, I mean he was loading up this truck with trailers and and personally driving stuff down there. So I think not only are those areas areas where Ryan is naturally inclined to be stronger and have stronger support, but you know he can he can also do a hey I was there too claim and real and really weaken some of Bashir's hold on that particular audience. So uh, I think and I think that's going to be an important leg of the governor's coalition he's going to have to build if he's going to get reelected. I think Ryan's the only one that can eat into that specific leg of it. 
that specific leg, but any Democrat would be worried about a uh, Jefferson County Republican. Yeah, yeah, and I would agree with that. Because that would eat votes out of Jefferson County that you might usually get because they were in the country club with them. You know, through well, work, my concern there know, is... And that's, there's a reason Bevin was the first Louisville governor. Right. My concern there, though, is... And this is something I don't know. And I'm just throwing it out there. And it's literally... It would be a concern, and I don't know how it plays. Is how do your independents, moderate swing voters... What level, if any, blame do they put on Cameron and his lack of inaction, whether legally required inaction because he just didn't have authority or, or at least perceived inaction um, on the Breonna Taylor stuff? Like, what level of blame do they put on him for them to kind of uh, decay in, in the city of, you know, over the, of the year and a half or so after the Breonna Taylor shooting and all the chaos that happened? Is there any lingering blame among those moderate swing voters towards Cameron? I, and I, I don't I, think I, so. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think so. Might be. I mean, you know, Cameron, I think, uh, past Fancy Farm, the Booker supporters who were there in numbers, actually, um, you know, drowned out his speech with, say, her name chance. And so I, I'm really curious if Cameron had realized that there's a whole section out there mm. that, that thinks he did nothing more than a show trial. I, I know this. The, Dem- the DOJ thinks a lot different. <laughs> I know this. The Democratic Party, Kentucky, if they want to, the quickest way for them to rebuild themselves out of the rubble that is that that is currently their the state party is for Daniel Cameron to be the nominee. Because hmm. remember, there's a guy who got name dropped by Megan Thee Stallion on SNL. He's going to be called celebrity. It's going to be and there's like no other elections going on this year. It's going to be Amy McGrath on oh, okay. on rocket fuel when it comes to national money coming into the mm-hmm. state. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if you have LeBron James Rihanna coming in and hold fundraisers for 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 Bashir and the Democratic Party. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, just as a as a former fundraising guru, I would rather them have fundraisers in their hometown. True, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, but, I don't need Rihanna and Pikeville. I mean, I, but know, I mean, there, there's going like, to be there's going to be so much national money coming in if Cameron's the nominee. But there's, there's going to be okay. anyway. I mean, the DGA and RGA there, there will, have open checkbooks. Yeah, but it's there different be, money. But, it, but it's it's different it's money. It's celebrity money. It's different it's money. Just, yeah, that would, yeah. wouldn't come in if it was Quarles right. or Kraft. That right. will come in if it's Daniel because of the Breonna Taylor issue. Yeah. That's um, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing that I worry about is is and, and you know if let's say let's say we screw up one of the down ticket nominations, we nominate you know whoever you want to believe is the Nipper. weakest is the weakest. Yeah, let's say Nipper somehow upsets Mike. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, never. But like, but like you know, let's say Cooper Ryder uh, wins the treasurer's race. You know, do we end up losing the treasurer's race because there's so much money they're able to drown one of the down ticket candidates? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Tell me the lot of realize who our treasurer. <laughs> um, By the way, sorry, I, 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 I've heard some rumblings that be, be on, that Mark Metcalf might have a better shot than you think in the in that primary hmm. in the, on the Republican side. Just kind of a more traditional Republican. He's kind of kicking around. The other two are very very untraditional. You know, OJ, you know, young black guy, not a mm-hmm. you know treasurer's office, and then uh, uh, the independent. Independent colleges, but you know, not what you'd consider a traditional resume for a statewide Republican candidate. Right. I mean, Cooper Ryder, definitely not a traditional resume for, I guess, former coffee, coffee shop owner. Can we call him that now? I'd bankrupt business owners, what I call them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and Metcalf's very much more the traditional, you know, traditional profile of a statewide Republican nominee. Uh, you know, I've been told by a couple people just keep an eye on it. I will say, mm-hmm. I, I did get a, a campaign text from the Metcalf campaign. Okay. Like with a you know, graphic. Just, oh, nice. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, doing, they're doing stuff. I do think Richard Heath is going to give Jonathan Schnell 
more than Jonathan thinks. I don't think that's. I don't true. think so. Oh, all right, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll stick it out. He's, okay, I don't I mean, think he's so. He's traveling to things, but he's not raising money. He's not. And and even against well, was it his, his race was close against Quarles, though, wasn't it? Well, he had a member of Congress helping him there, but that's that's neither here there. But, Look, Richard, he's uh, a fantastic legislator. Um, he's very pragmatic. I love the way he thinks, um, and I like the way that he processes things at a pace that allows him to dive deep into things. I think he's very conscientious. But Jonathan Shell's got this charisma like you would not believe. And I, I just knows, think it's unstoppable. He's also primary for state house. That is totally different. Yeah. That is a that was a that was a totally it was different. A, it was a weird dynamic. But since remember, remember since then he's, he was McConnell's campaign chairman and traveled the entire state. He's built a great name ID. He's raised a ton of money. Richard even against Corals, Richard mm-hmm. only ra- the only place he, he raised any discernible money. He put in a, a pretty decent chunk of his own money, but I think over half of what he raised that wasn't his own was just from Graves County. Mm. You know, Richard's got no got no fundraising draw anywhere else. Uh, I think Shell will be fine there. You know Shell has his own store, right? His online store. You can buy hats and like yeah, that's koozies the, that's and that stuff. That's easy to set up these days. <laughs> they, that, that process has been streamlined pretty nicely. I thought that was funny. You've got a cafe press. Yeah. <laughs> You can buy me a Jonathan Shell koozies after you well, well, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Anniversary present. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, all right. Well, I guess the last thing to get to, baseball season started. We said before, the Reds, uh, uh, not not good, but not bad. I, uh, I My Three and a half back. Uh, I, I put, I, uh, we were talking about earlier, it was in the Detroit airport. I put money, my money where my mouth was in the podcast. And yeah. I did put a bet down on the Reds on the over 65 and a half wins. They're at five right now, so sixty-one more. There you go. I also, I also got Ryan Priestley uh, with a with a they had like an odds bump if you bet uh, a league leader in something. So I bet Ryan Priestley lead the league in saves for the Astros. <laughs> there you go. Um, we were out in LA, and I almost asked Abby if she wanted to burn a whole day and night to go to Anaheim to watch Otani play, but I wisely did not ask if she wanted to do that. I thought you were going to say go see the Mighty Ducks, but. <laughs> It would have been a no in either case. That's true. Hockey, a bunch of guys fighting. Hockey's fun. I told him I'd be at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Um, any shameless plugs for the week? No. no. Not really. Um, just, uh, yeah. No. I did I did get to host uh, host Larry Glover last Wednesday. So I did another three hours on uh, WVOK. That was fun. Had uh, Man of Maze Bledsoe call in, talk oh, about nice. our first session. Had Holly Harris call in and talk about her new kind of bipartisan coalition building thing that she's got yeah. uh, had uh, uh, past podcast guests and probably future podcast guests my buddy Jason Emmert former chair of the, mm-hmm. of the National Republicans he's also an international lawyer uh, cool. and, and works a lot with the International Republican Institute traveling the globe helping train people how to run campaigns and spent a lot actually spent a lot of time in Ukraine before all this and has a lot of good friends over there he goes on talking about Ukraine and uh, had a guy on talking about uh, China uh, uh China and the U.S. Uh, trade uh, tech conflicts too. So it was a good show. It's fun. I didn't know I was supposed to do it until that morning. They texted me like, "Hey, who's going to be on?" I said, "Larry didn't tell me I was hosting today." They said, "Well, we have it that you're hosting." It's like you are now. All right, I got like three hours to recruit guests. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> so I'm like texting like, "Hey, do you want to call in and eat up some time for me?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right. Um, so get your derby picks in order, and we'll talk. Yeah, we'll next ho- week. Hopefully, right? have uh, G McLean on here this yeah. week or next to talk uh, derby, and we'll uh, we'll go on from there. Uh, hopefully, going on that the session's wrapped up. Um, hopefully, look, want to have some more guests on. 
uh, if you are a listener and you were like a, a you know trade association or advocacy group or something like that and want to want to get on, shoot me a DM to the to the uh, podcast Twitter account or my personal Twitter account, and uh, you know we'd love to hear from you and see if maybe we can work something out to have you on as, as a guest via Zoom. Uh, We'd love to have anybody on to talk about European soccer. No, we no, we would not. Okay. <laughs> and also for Adam Haley, nor would we talk, be talking F one racing. Why not F one? It's the only sport I even like that you all talk about. <laughs> I just had a guy say, "I can't come to Derby. I've got my box at the Miami F one." <laughs> I was like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> uh, all right, as always, you can talk, take your politics weekly stream podcast. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and we'll be back next week on another Kentucky Politics Weekly.